0: Sunday. All right. How many of y'all remember what the sermon was about? What? You do? Dalton <laughs> Do I now? Leaning on people. That was part of it. That was an illustration we did. Carrying others' burdens. All right. What was the word that we used? Restore. All right. And so, uh, um, we're not going to be there, but I'm going to go over to Galatians chapter number one, uh, six, and uh, Miss Carrie, we're going to be in Psalm 51. <laughs> hey, now if you're laughing, you know why. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is uh, this is a uh, different, but we're going to tie the two together, and uh, we're going to look at the two uh, this is Galatians chapter number six. I'll read a few verses, just two verses out of it. That's what we hit on last Sunday. As we worked around this word restore, the Bible says, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. All right, and so anyhow... In Galatians chapter number 6 and verse number 1, the Bible tells us, and we, we dealt around this word restore. It says, brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one. And we was talking about the ministry of restoration and how you and I are supposed to help restore those that are overtaken in the fault. And that's overtaken in that fault, you'll remember, was something that they fell into, not something that they went headlong into just disobeying God. It was more of more like a transgression, which means I crossed over a line that I shouldn't have, uh, uh, rather than an iniquity of I knew what I was doing wrong and bless God I was going to do it anyhow. Does everybody understand where I'm going with this? All right, and so we're to come up, and we are to help others, and we, are, we have the ministry of restore, to restore. Now, this, this word restore in the Greek, uh, which we looked at in Galatians chapter number 6 and verse number 1, but this thing has a meaning in the Greek. It, had a, it was a medical term. It was a medical term, the, the word that is translated restore. It was a medical term in the Greek, and it had a meaning of uh, when a doctor Resets a broken bone and how he resets it to its original, right? And, and therefore it can heal and be as strong as it was prior to its brokenness. All right, is everybody with me? All right, we all talked about how we are in verse number two. To bear one another's burdens. Ye which are spiritual, we're to come along and we're to help them because the burden that they're carrying from being overtaken in this fault is a bear bear or a burden rather that is so heavy it's hard for them to, to, to bear it, to hold it on their own. Right? And so we're to bear one another's burdens. And the Bible says that by doing this, all right. We fulfill the law of Christ. Now, how many of y'all remember what the law of Christ was? We didn't really have a definition. It's mentioned twice in the Bible. We didn't really have a definition, but we tried our best from Jesus' words to identify what the law of Christ was. And how many of y'all remember what the law of Christ was? All right. And uh, so there was two laws that Jesus gave when the lawyers asked him, what is the greatest commandments, right? And the two that he gave was the very first commandment. And we're to love your, thy God with all thy heart, with either, all thy soul, with all thy mind. Uh, uh, and He said, and the second is likened unto the first, that we love our as our love our neighbor as ourselves. And uh, so we looked at that. And then Jesus also gave us a new commandment. All right, for those of you that are keeping score and say we're not preaching them are old Te- them are old testament uh, laws now. But the Bible says in John chapter number 13 that Jesus gave us a new commandment and that new commandment was that we are to love one another. All right? A new commandment I give unto you that you love one another. And he said this when he did that. Is everybody listening? Listen up. He says, thereby will they know that you are my disciples when you love one another. Uh, See, he said, I give a new commandment. That new commandment is you love one another. And he said, by doing that, this world to know that you are my disciples if you love one another, which is con- totally contradictory to the way things go today, right? Come on, y'all, help me. Somebody falters, somebody fails, we kick them, in, we kick them on down, right? And uh, uh, we knock them on down, push them on over, and then talk about it. Call everybody else and make sure they know about it. I need somebody to help me. I mean, we're, we're like, we, we ain't, we're not, listen, the best investigative reporters in the world belong to the Baptist church. I need somebody to help. I need somebody to help. If I want to know what's going on, there's certain ladies in the church that I can call and find out. Is everybody all right? Oh, oh, I, I know. There's probably some men too. But anyhow. Uh, we're just going to go with that because it sounds better, all right? And, uh, but anyhow, all right, so we have this ministry of bearing one another's burdens. We have this ministry of ye which are spiritual to restore. And we said that that was our word for the year. That, at least that was my word for the year. Miss Carly, this is mine and Miss Carly's word for the year. I mean, we're talking about it uh, after the service Sunday, and that's just what God has laid on my heart, on her heart, was this word, Restore. I told Michelle when I left, I said, man, I just wasn't happy with that sermon. I I just felt like there were some other things that needed to be done and needed to be said about that sermon. And so as I continued to thought into this restoration, I want to get us to Psalm chapter number 51. And I want to say this, before we can restore somebody else, we have to first experience restoration ourselves. And uh, uh, it's hard for somebody. Listen, I if I'm, if and which I've I've raised three kids now, and uh, my oldest, Dalton, 27. Uh, my daughter's 25, and uh, she went out and smoked, Oh, she's right there. And then Zachary, uh, he's in the military. Zachary's 22 years of age. He was home here uh, during Christmas time. Now he's back uh, in North Carolina in the Marine Corps. But I, I I've raised three children. And uh, I, I don't want to, I, I, when I was raising my kids, I raised my kids differently than a lot of folks, all right, and uh, to the ridicule of a lot of folks. I, I didn't let my kids date. Is everybody all right? And, uh, <clears throat> hey, I, I mean, this was the mentality. I had, I, I had coon dogs, right? And I paid a lot of money for my coon dogs. And uh, I don't care how much you like coon hunting, I wasn't going to give you one of my coon dogs to go hunt with because I would invested a lot of money in that coon dog. And if you think I put that much value on a coon dog, how much you think I put on a, on a 16 year old girl that I've invested in her whole life. Is everybody all right? Now, it worked out for my kids because they all figured out how that boy-girl stuff worked on, on their wedding night. Is everybody all right? And uh, anyhow, I'm telling you, they didn't need any practices. And, is, is everybody understand what I'm saying? And uh, it, it all worked out, all right? It all worked out. So you're not doing any damage to your kid by telling them, hey, look here, we're not going to do that. I'm not going to turn you. I got too much invested in you to turn you loose to somebody that ain't going to treat you the way that I would treat you. Love you the way that I was going to love you or take care of you the way that I'm going to take care of you. Amen. Praise God. That was free. It didn't have nothing to do with the sermon, all right? But here's the point. So I had these kids that I raised, right? And the last thing that I wanted, the last person that I wanted to instruct me on how to raise a kid with all the ridicule was going on was somebody that didn't have any children. You get what I'm saying? I, we got a lot of experts that ain't never, they ain't experts in what they teaching on. And, and the last thing, I, I remember we had a guy coming around here and he was telling everybody, he, he'd go around the church and tell everybody how to fix their marriage. And him on his third, somebody help me. Listen, I, listen here, he might not be the one that you want to go to for advice, on how to keep your marriage together, all right? You might want to look for somebody, I I don't know, like like me and Michelle that's been together for over 30 years, been married for over 30 years, and I'm sure there's others in here 40, 50 years. Brother Jim, he's been married as long as Noah was alive, and I I mean, there, there are some people that you could go to and talk to and get some expertise, all right, some expert instruction on And I couldn't think of a better person to get expert instruction on when it came to the thought of restoration than King David himself. The man the Bible calls a man after God's own heart. The Bible calls, I mean, God calls David, not just the Bible. God calls David a man after his own heart. And so we know, if you don't know, then this will help you out. God didn't call David a man after his own heart because David knew which good sins to sin. He called him that because David viewed sin, when when confronted with it, David viewed sin as God did. And David could not stand to be without fellowship from God, and therefore we have in our Bible David's life written out for us, and David's sins recorded for us. And we look at David's sins, and I, I need some help in here. I'm not gonna, I, I'm not gonna get into your business. But if you look at David's sins, there's not a whole lot of people that can put everything together in idolatry. I mean, uh, uh, adultery, uh, and he killed somebody. Right? Is everybody right? I hope I ain't talking to a bunch of murderers in here, all right? And, uh, and I hope I ain't talking to a bunch of adulterers in here. But and when we understand David's greatest, some of the things that we think of as the greatest sins that are out there, David, a man after God's own heart, God recorded it for us. Now, why do you think God would do something like that? Because you and I would try to pick and we'd try to say, if, if God didn't just lay it out and have our minds on the worst sins that we could possibly think of, we would say this one wasn't covered or that one wasn't covered. But David, David he had some of the worst sins. Do you realize that one of David's sins, uh, it, 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 uh, the consequences of it was over 70,000 Israelites died. How would you like to have that on your conscience? Somebody help me. I mean, how, much, how would you like to have that on your conscience? Hey, I did something wrong, and so God's going to wipe out. I mean, couldn't you imagine if, if I walked in? And I said, I've done something wrong, and now the consequences of it has caught up with me, and God's given me an ultimatum, and I have chosen uh, between what God has offered me, the best I feel like, the best of, of, of these ultimatums, And the consequences that I have chosen is 20% of the church is going to have to die before next Sunday. How would you like to, I ain't talking about me. Don't look at me and get mad at me. I'm just giving an illustration. But how would you like to live with that on your conscience that you made a decision that cost 70,000 people their lives? This was David. This was David. This was King David, a man after God's own heart. But a man that calls, I promise you this, those 70,000, if you stood all 70,000 of them up here, they would none of them say, boy, David was a man after my heart. Right? And so as we look at this tonight, let's look at this restoration from the life of David. In Psalm 51, just to give you some background, this is a psalm of penitence, all right? David is getting right with God because of his sin with Bathsheba, okay? If you know the story, then you know that King David should have been out when other kings were out. David should have been out, but he was at the palace. The Bible says that he was on his rooftop, and he looked over, and there was Bathsheba bathing out there, all right? And uh, we're not going to get into whose fault it was or anything like that. But David, he was the authority figure. He was a king and he sent for her. The Bible says he laid with her. The Bible says he got her pregnant. The Bible says at that point he had Uriah come home. Uriah's home. He tried to get Uriah to go down there. So he was not only, not only did he commit the sin of adultery, but now he's trying to cover it up. And he's trying to get Uriah to go down there and stay with his wife and sleep with his wife, and Uriah would not do it. David even got him drunk and tried to send him home so that he would lay with his wife and David could blame the pregnancy on Uriah. When that didn't work, because Uriah was so loyal to David, and by the way, just so everybody knows, Uriah was one of David's mighty men. This wasn't just a soldier this was with the mighty men that the Bible references to. Uriah was one of them. And, his, and in his loyalty to David, he would not go and lay with his wife as long as the men of the army, as long as the Israelites were out in battle. And so he stayed by David's house waiting for instruction. David wrote a letter. Han wrote a letter and delivered it by the hand of Uriah, a death sentence. Delivered by the man that David was having killed himself. He handed it to Joab and told Joab to put Uriah on the front lines that he may die. And Joab, he obeyed the orders of King David put Uriah on the front lines and Uriah died in service and loyalty to David not knowing that it was David's intentions to have him killed. Bathsheba went through a time of mourning for her husband's death and then David went and took Bathsheba and took her to be his wife. The Bible tells us that a child was born unto them, all right? This is one of those things that always got off to me, and I'm not going to read the scripture, but that's in 2 Samuel chapter number 11, the whole story that I've been going through, if you want to go back and read it. 2 Samuel chapter number 11, this child is born to David and Bathsheba. I always miss this because I always had preachers tell me that David got right over this thing quickly. But that's not the truth. If you go and you read scripture, the Bible says that she bore him a child. And then the Bible says in in 2 Samuel chapter number 12, God sent a prophet to David. The name of that prophet is Nathan. Nathan gave a story about a stranger that came to this family. And he came to this family and the stranger had everything that he could possibly want. But this family, this man only had one little ewe lamb. And this stranger took that lamb for himself. And so, David, in all of his anger, he pronounced judgment on this man. And Nathan looked at David and pointed his finger at the king and said, Thou art the man. All right. You go and you read that passage of scripture, God judges David according to how David had passed judgment on the parable or the story that was given. The only thing that God didn't do that David uh, uh, instructed or David said he would do was God didn't kill David. God showed mercy unto David, all right? But anyhow, uh, uh, in that, the Bible says that that child that was born, the consequences of David's sin fell upon that child. So that child that was born to David and Bathsheba fell sick. I always thought... Always thought that this happened prior to her delivering a child. But the truth of the matter is that this was sometime between nine months and a year that David lived in that sin. It preaches real good when you're trying to get people to confess their sins, <laughs> it preaches real good when you tell them David just couldn't stand to be without fellowship with God for a moment. And so he immediately got right with God. But it's not true. For nine months to a year, David was under the burden of having committed adultery, trying to cover it up, and then having the husband of this woman he committed adultery with killed. Could you imagine, somebody help me. Can you imagine? I, I have people tell me this all the time too. If you're backslidden, we hear backslidden in the Bible and I hear preachers say this all the time. That only means they're probably only backslidden for a week. A man after God's own heart. for nine months to a year, the Bible says was under the burden. I'll tell you, I'm going to show you some things that David says about how he was dealing with this what was going on in his life during this time. But I want you to notice is, David, he didn't get right with God because he all of a sudden decided he was going to turn a new leaf. It took Nathan. Is everybody all right? I'm going to throw this out there. Had Nathan not been sent to David, No, we'd like to make it out like David did something great here by confessing and doing all these other things. And hey, I praise the Lord, David gives us an example and we're going to use it tonight. But I want us to just be real about the thing. David didn't, he didn't come under the conviction to the point that he had to get it right until Nathan put that finger in his face and said, Thou art the man. I want to say this. David could have had Nathan killed right there on the spot. And if we was living in this day and time, they would have. I mean, how many preachers have stood up and said, hey, thou art the man. People in the church bow up, get mad, and leave the church over it. Run out there in the community and tell everybody, oh, that preacher over there, he's bad. He preaches against sin. Do you believe it? They don't say it like that, but they might as well. But most people that listen to him are too stupid to understand what they're saying. Oh, he wouldn't put up with sin in the church. He's a bad person. He's so bad. I don't know what, I don't know what his problem is. He's so bad if he just preached from the Bible. Jesus loves everybody. Praise the well, Lord. Is everybody all right? I'm sorry. I went in a little soapbox there. on my, but Anyhow, I'll get off of it. Let's read Psalm 51. Not all of it. We're just going to read some of it. And I know there's 19 verses. We're just going to read 15 of them. (laughs) I like to read the Bible. You like to read the Bible? I preach from the Bible. We need to read the Bible, right? All right, the Bible says this. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness. (laughs) Oh, I'm going to tell you something. The only way you can come to God when you're sinned. Listen, this is the only way you can come to God with your sin. Have mercy upon me. O oh God, according to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Dalton, stand up right there and read the rest of this. Let me save my voice a little bit. <clears throat> pink, pink, whatever that is. Verse two. verse 2. Hit verse 2. Read down through
1: 15.
0: 16 and 17 is good too. Yeah, they're all good. I just we, We're just going to read...
1: Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions, and my sin is ever before me. Against thee, thee only, have I sinned, and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest, and be clear when thou judgest. Stop
0: right there, Dalton. So in verse number four, I want you to notice something about this man. David said, whatever, he said, have mercy on me, I'm begging you, right? Right? Verse number one, have mercy on me, I'm begging you. But I want you to look at verse number four. He said, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest. In other words, this is what David was saying. He's saying, whatever the consequences, I accept them. This ain't something we like to hear. Because we want mercy shown, but we want our consequences wiped out too. Where God says He'll blot out our transgressions and God says He'll blot out our sins and He'll cast our sins as far as the east is from the west, that doesn't exclude our consequences. The consequences, mm, be not deceived. That was in Galatians 6 too. How many of y'all remember that? Galatians 6, 7. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Go ahead, Dalton. Continue on.
1: Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, thou desireth truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness, that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide thy face from my sins, and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God. And renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation, and uphold me with thy free spirit. Then will I teach transgressors thy ways, and sinners shall be converted unto thee. Uh Deliver me from blood, blood guiltiness, O God, thou God of my salvation and my tongue. Thou shalt sing aloud of thy righteousness. O Lord, open thou my lips, and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. Amen. Thank you, Dalton.
0: So here, David is writing out this thing, and David, he goes through his repentance, he goes through his confession here. But he gets to a place where David makes a commitment. And we're going to look at all this, but we're going to have to do it real quick because I want you to get the whole outline and the gist of this thing. But I, I, I want you to notice, David said, if you'll do these things, God, when you do these things, when you restore me, he said, I will teach transgressors. So here's what I'm saying. Galatians 6.1, brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore, right, right? Before we can do that, we got to be restored ourselves. And David said, when I'm restored... Man, I, I, I'm, I'm getting there. I'm getting too fast, but I'm going to get there, all right? All right, you're going to like this. All right, so first off, I want you to notice the confrontation recorded. The confrontation recorded. If you're keeping notes, I got four points and a bunch of sub points, so you're going to have to write fast, all right? So the confrontation recorded. We see the confrontation of the preacher. The preacher was Nathan. I done spoke about that. That's in 2 Samuel chapter number 12. Now, we see the prompting of it. I want you to notice that God, listen, listen, God prompted David's confession and David's forgiveness I don't think you understand that I don't think we truly understand that God loved this man so much that God wouldn't allow David to continue on Not in fellowship. Y'all, please understand what I'm trying to tell you. We like to think that it is our part that we, you know, when we get, when we sin, we no longer, we, we no longer have fellowship with God and it breaks our heart and it should break our heart. But I want you to know that you and I serve a God who loves you and I so much that when we are not in fellowship with Him, He will do everything He can. To confront us so that we come back into fellowship with Him. I can go. I can prove it. We go into the Garden of Eden. The Bible says, and the Lord walked in the cool of the day. But what did He say to Adam? Where are you at? Adam's hiding. Adam was hiding. You think God didn't know what happened? Do you think God didn't know what happened? God knew exactly what happened. And Adam was hiding. God in his wrath could have said, you know what? I told him I'm not going to come down here. We ain't going to play this game. He disobeyed me. He's going to die, right? But instead, God comes and he says, Adam, where art thou? In other words, Adam, I've come for fellowship. But you're not here. You're not in the right place. I need somebody to help me. God initiated this, uh, 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 this, com- this confrontation. It was God who came after David. And it is God who comes after you and I through a preacher or through a parable, God's word. And God gave David through the prophet, and by the way, the prophet only spoke God's word, what God instructed him to speak. And the prophet instructed Nathan to speak, or excuse me, God instructed Nathan to speak these words unto David. And so God sent a preacher with a message, if you will, and he is the one that prompted it all. God wanted to have fellowship with David, even in David's worst part of his life, in the darkness of his life, no fellowship with God, feeling the weight of his sin upon him, but God still loved him and came to where David was. The confrontation recorded. We see number two, the confession rehearsed. The confession rehearsed. I want you to notice, first off, his uh, uh, affliction. In verse number 8, I almost stopped Dalton when he was reading it. But in verse number 8, the Bible says that, that uh, David, he says, Make me to hear joy and gladness, that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. And I want you to think about that. This was the weight that David was under. Now, I wasn't going to do this to the end, but I can't do it until the end. Y'all pray for me that I don't get off track, all right? But David, he tells us in other places in Scripture how he felt during this time that he was out of fellowship and in his sin when it came to God. I'll go over it at the end, I promise you, all right? And we'll see some things. But if I do it right now, it's going to ruin it, all right? So we'll wait for just a few moments. So he says, make me to hear joy and gladness, which tells me that he wasn't joyful. He wasn't happy. I need somebody to help me that's ever been living in some sin in your life. And walking around, there is no joy. And there is no gladness. Matter of fact, many turn to substances to try to fix or to ease the pain and the hurt that they're having to deal with, not understanding that those things ain't going to fix anything because the problem is spiritual. David related his spiritual condition to his bones being broken. He's carrying a weight. I need somebody to help me right here. Let's get this thought in our head. He's carrying a weight with broken legs. He says, I can't hear no joy. I have no gladness. And so many people today are turning to substances that they can buy in the liquor store, buy on the street corner, trying to fix a problem that is spiritual, not physical. But they're under the weight of the sin. They're under the curse of the sin. They're under the burden of the sin. And so David, as we look at the confession he rehearsed, we must first look at his conflict, affliction. And let me ask you this question before I go on to more subpoints right here. But do you feel like you're under a load? Do you feel like there's some parts of you that are broken? Are you having a hard time experiencing joy? Are you having a hard time finding gladness? I need somebody to help me. Don't get quiet on me right here. But here's what you need to know. I, 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 I'll be Nathan tonight. Are you the man? Say, preacher, I ain't got no sin in my life right now. David didn't have, I mean, to what we know, David wasn't, he wasn't sinning when Nathan showed up. The sin that Nathan dealt with happened nine months to a year ago. So let's not sit in church and act like, well, I didn't sin today. (laughs) Hey, I didn't commit adultery today, preacher, I'm good. Didn't kill nobody this week yet. I'm good. I ain't covered up no major sin this week, preacher. I'm I'm good. But David was under the weight of this thing, and it traces back nine months to a year. So we see his affliction. We see his acknowledgement. I love this. David, uh, David said, For I acknowledge my transgressions, and my sin is ever before me. Against thee and thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight. We see his acknowledgement. He acknowledged that, God, it was me. I need somebody to help me. We like to blame everybody else. Well, preacher, I wouldn't have done that if she had done her part. Preacher, I wouldn't have done it if he'd have done his part. Preacher, I wouldn't have done this or I wouldn't have done that. We'd go on down the list. It ain't just adultery. I was just using something that was easy. But we like to, and we, we, we tend to obeys, or blame rather somebody else. I'd be right with God, but, but somebody at the church upset me. I'd be right. I'd still be going to church, preacher, but you preach something and you said something in a sermon. Listen here, I don't know how many words I say in a sermon, but there are a lot, all right? Just go ahead and expect some of them may be wrong. And I ain't talking about wrong doctrine. I'm just saying there's sometimes, like I did earlier, get on a little soapbox that I ain't got no business getting on. And sometimes I'm going to say things that's going to hurt somebody's feelings. And I, I don't have the intentions of hurting your feelings or running anybody off. But I do have the intentions of showing us from God's word what God expects out of us. And here David, God comes to him and God afflicts him. And we look at affliction and we say, God, why are you doing this to me? And God said, because I want to have fellowship with you. I miss our walks together. I miss our talks together. But David had to acknowledge his sin. David said, against thee and thee only. He says, I have sinned. He didn't say, I, I, and I need somebody to hear me right here. David didn't say it was her fault. She hadn't have been up there on that roof bathing naked. I might have been good. It was her fault. They didn't say it was, it was Uriah's fault. If he'd have just gone down there and done what I told him to do, then he would have never had to die on the battlefield. Right? David said, that was me. I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Now, let me say this, and I'm going to move on very quickly. But he he said, against thee and thee only have I sinned. That's not true. It's not true. David has sinned against Bathsheba. David has sinned against Uriah. David has sinned against Bathsheba's family. David has sinned against Joab. Oh, I need somebody to help me. See, Joab got pulled into that deal, and it wasn't none of his, none of his doings. I mean, David's sin affected a lot of. And while our confession to God is uh, 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 against thee and thee alone, the fact of the matter is, the consequences of our sin of our sin affect a multitude. No man's an island. Is everybody all right? His affliction, his acknowledgement. Number three, his acceptance right here. And and this is what I pointed out when Dalton was reading. God was just. And David said, hey, God, whatever you decide to do to me, I deserve it. Whatever your consequences are, God, I accept them. What I did was wrong. And God, I take full responsibility of it. Everybody hear me? And then lastly, his atonement there. Uh, the Bible says in verse 7 and 9, purge me with hyssop. That word purge there, I looked it up. It means to cleanse, right? It means to cleanse. And, and, and I, one, one commentator said it like this. It means to descend, D-E-S-I-N. In other words, what David was saying was, my sins ever before me, God, I'm begging you to descend me. Get it all out. Purge me with hyssop, he said. The hyssop was used, you'll remember, to put the blood on the doorpost back in Exodus chapter number 12. It was also used by the high priest for the sprinkling of water. It was also used for, the, uh, 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 for uh, uh, the dedication in the temple, as they sprinkled the blood. Is everybody with me? This was what he was He was, mm, he was going to God as his high priest <laughs> before Jesus ever came as our high priest. purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than than snow. He says, make me to hear joy and gladness that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. And then in verse number nine, he says, hide thy face from my sins and blot out all mine iniquities. This is the confession that David rehearsed. I want you to notice number three, the configuration requested. This is good. you writing it down. I worked hard to come up with these words. Y'all help me. The configuration that David requested. See, David knew. Jeremiah chapter number 17 and verse number 9, the Bible tells us the heart is deceitful above all things. I need somebody to hear me right now. If I hear you say, (laughs) preacher, I just got to trust my heart. I know right off the bat you ain't prayed about nothing. What you need to do is trust God. Why? Because the Bible says the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. That's your heart that you're trusting. David or the, the prophet Jeremiah said, Who can know it? Who can know it? I tell you one that does. God. Is everybody alright? So we already know. That our heart is deceitful. It's a deceitful above all things. But it's desperately wicked. Right? So what did David ask for? Look at his next verse. Verse number 10. Create in me a clean heart. <laughs> that word create is the same word. Same word used in Genesis chapter number 1. God Breathed out of nothing, spoke out of nothing, and created the heavens and the earth. Is everybody with me? Same word used here. David says, create in me a clean heart. In other words, what's here right now ain't no good. (laughs) Hey, God, if I don't get a new one, I'm liable to go right back into what I was doing. So David pleads with God. This is a configuration that he requested. God, first off, create in me a clean heart. Create in me a clean heart. The very first thing that David wanted was a heart that was clean and new. Not a mended heart, but a new heart. In other words, the same way God created this universe out of nothing by the word of his mouth... David is asking God to now create a clean heart, a new heart in him by his word. Mm. Not only a heart clean and new, but a a spirit. I want you to look at this. uh, The second part of this reconfigure or this configuration, not only created me a clean heart, not only did he ask for a, a heart that was clean and new, but he asked for a spirit that was renewed and renew a right spirit within me. In other words, let me say it like this. Revive me, O Lord. In other words, create in me a new heart because the one that I got is bad, but renew a right spirit in me, a spirit that chases only after you. A right spirit. A spirit, I need somebody right here to help me real, just just listen for a moment and then help me. But God wants us to have a renewed spirit because too many are chasing after everything but God. So David asked for God to please renew a right spirit within me. And then lastly here, a restoration of joy. He asked for a clean heart. He asked for a right spirit. And he asked for a restoration of joy. Amen. Of course we know this. He says this. He said uh, 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 a restoration of joy. He wanted fellowship. Go to the next verse. Verse number 11. This restoration of joy. The only way that David would experience joy. Is through fellowship with God. Right. This Is everybody. Are y'all with me? Yeah. So. What you remember I said a while ago you have no joy and we're seeking outside things to fill that void but the truth is the reason we have no joy is because we're not in right fellowship with God right now so look at what David says right here cast me not away from thy presence and take not thy Holy Spirit from me hmm Cast me not away from thy presence. In other words, God don't kick me out. And then take not thy Holy Spirit from me. I wonder if he wasn't thinking about Saul. Spirit of the Lord was on Saul. David played a harp for him. Spirit of the Lord departed Saul. David, or Saul tried to kill him. I wonder if he wasn't reflecting back on some things that he had seen. And now he's saying, God, don't, don't bring me to that place. You have every right to. You have every right to cast me away from thy presence like you did Saul and say, I'll rend the kingdom from you. You have every right to take your Holy Spirit from me as you did Saul. But cast me not away from thy presence and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. God, I, the only way I'm going to satisfy this brokenness is to be in a right fellowship. With you, does everybody in here hear me?
1: <laughs>
0: I hope you understand tonight. God wants fellowship with you. And he wants fellowship with you so bad that He will come to you in your darkest and greatest sin. Quit listening to preachers. Quit listening to all that junk. God loves you so much that He will come after you. And your greatest sin when the when the church kicks you out, when the brethren won't have nothing to do with you. God said, Where art thou? Hey. Dalton. Where art thou? Jesse. Where where art thou? Johnny, where art thou? Because God wants fellowship with you. Lastly, I'm done. We see the confrontation recorded, the confession rehearsed, the configuration requested, and then lastly, the conversion recounted. (laughs) This is where it got good. This is where it got good to me. Is everybody all right? Got good to me. Got good to me. Now, what were we talking about at the beginning of the sermon, Galatians chapter number 6? Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, you which are spiritual, restore, Right? Bear one another's burdens. Restore. All right? That's where it got good. Everybody with me? All right, let's go on. Let's Let's read verse 12 and then we'll read 13. I didn't want to skip over 12. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. Now verse number 13. This is it. This is it. Watch this. Then will I teach transgressors thy ways and sinners shall be Unto thee. Hey, I told you it's going to get good. Y'all ready? Is everybody ready? Are you sure you're ready? David said, "Restore, restore to me the joy of thy salvation. The same word, restore. In this verse, converted, same word. Let's read it. Let's read it like that. Then will I teach transgressor thy ways, and sinners shall be restored. (laughs) Sinners shall be restored unto thee. In other words, God, I want to do my part. But I can't restore others until I've experienced Restoration. Let's go on and read 14 and 15. You're doing good, brother. 14 says, Deliver me from blood guiltiness. You hear it? He's, he's talking about Uriah. His blood's on my hands. Deliver me from blood guiltiness. O oh God, thou God of my salvation and my. Listen, listen what he says. He said not only am I going to teach them and not only that way sinners can be converted but he says this my tongue shall sing aloud of thy righteousness. You don't know why so many people sit in church and they ain't got no worship? Carrying a bird. Unconfessed sin. Breaking under the weight. Verse 15. Oh Lord, open thou my lips, and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. Let me let me finish this thing. I told you I was going to share something, and I said I can't wait till later, right? David wrote Psalm 51 and the title of Psalm 51 tells us that David wrote this after his sin with Bathsheba and after Nathan the prophet had confronted him. Okay? But David wrote another Psalm. I want you to turn back to Psalm chapter number 32. Dalton, I want you to stand up with that microphone. And I want you to read Psalm 51. I'm sorry, I'm I'm messing you up probably. But Psalm 51, verse 13. You all right. I messed him up. I I, I, I didn't tell him we were doing all this. Yeah, verse 13 in Psalm 51.
1: Then will I teach transgressors thy ways. Okay,
0: all right, all right, all right. Then will I teach transgressors thy ways. We go over to Psalm 32. (laughs) The same David that wrote Psalm 51. He's making good on that promise to God. I want you to listen. The Bible says, Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no guile. No, oh, remember, he wanted God to renew in him a right spirit. Oh, is everybody with me? He wanted God to renew in him a right spirit, and now he says, blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity. In other words, happy is the man unto whom, remember, he had no joy. Are y'all getting what I'm throwing down right here? He had no joy. He said, Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. And now he's saying, Blessed, happy is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity and in whose spirit there is no guile. In other words, that man that has a right spirit. Spirit. He said, when I kept my silent, or when I kept silent, y'all listen, this is back to the affliction. Remember, I was going to tell you this, but I didn't. But I want you to notice, David just told us his bones was broken in 51, but now listen to what he has to say. When I kept silence, my bones waxed old through my roaring all the day long. For day and night, thy hand was heavy upon me. My moisture is turned into the drought of summer. David said, I was under so much weight and such a burden. He said, I didn't have any tears left to cry. My tears, my moisture is turned into the drought of summer. He says, I acknowledged. Everybody, mm, y'all see that E.D. on the end of that word? See, in Psalm 51, he says, I acknowledge my sins. Oh, this is a different man. This is a different man. This is a man that's fulfilling the commitment, the vow that he made to God in verse 13. He says, I acknowledge my sin unto thee, and mine iniquity have I not hid. I said, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord, and thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin. For this shall everyone that is godly pray unto thee in a time when thou mayest be found. Surely in the floods of great waters they shall not come nigh unto him. Thou art my hiding place. Oh, David, had been hiding for, David had been hiding for nine months to a year. David said, man, when I got that thing off of me, now God, you're my hiding place. He says, Thou art my hiding place. Thou shalt preserve me from trouble. Thou shalt compass me about with songs of deliverance. Don't stand back up and read verse 14 for us.
1: Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, Thou God of my salvation, and my tongue shall sing aloud of Thy righteousness. <laughs> hey. David
0: said, I got a song now. He says, thou shalt compass me. He said, I'm surrounded by songs of... <laughs> that song he was talking about, <laughs> we're reading it. Is everybody all right? The song that David said he would sing, we're reading it tonight in chapter 32. The Bible tells us, I will instruct thee... And teach thee in the way which thou shalt go, I will guide thee with mine eye. Be ye not as the horse or as the mule, which have no understanding, whose mouth must be held in with bit and bridle, lest they come near unto thee. Now, listen to this. He says, Many sorrows shall be to the wicked, but he that trusteth in the Lord, mercy shall compass him. What did he ask God for? <laughs> Hey, and the last verse. He said, be glad in the Lord and rejoice, ye righteous, and shout for... What did he asked for? Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, ye righteous, and shout for joy. All ye that are upright in heart. (laughs) David teaches us how to get right with God. We all left out of here Sunday saying, I'm gonna do my part, bearing others' burdens, I'm gonna help to restore the brethren that's overtaken. But how can you restore somebody when you're in need of restoration? And how can you fully help some to restore somebody unless you yourself has been restored. I don't know if God can use me. God sure did use a murderer. God sure did use an adulterer. David wouldn't even be allowed in the church. If I'm wrong, tell me I'm wrong. He wouldn't have David wouldn't have been allowed in the church he done committed adultery he he, he, he tried to cover up his sins and had somebody killed over it. got other people involved in it man Baptist church won't even let you come in here if you've been in a divorce somebody help me now what in the world God said David's a man after my own heart man that committed adultery man I ain't even got it figured out I stand before God every morning and say, Lord, I'm nothing. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I did this. I'm sorry that I thought that. David's over there. God said, I still want to have fellowship. care how ugly it's been. Bow your heads with we Come to the altar. Forget about that bowing your heads. Just come on. All of you, everybody, you all need to be up here. That way nobody feels alone. Nobody feels like a, come on. There's some of you up here, you're like, I ain't coming forward because he'll be knowing my sin.